Welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on this Thursday, December the 15th. In the house with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Come on in and stay a while, folks. Another action jam-packed show ahead. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Man, another great week of football is ahead for us this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. We now have Saturday football in the NFL. I'm so excited for these matchups Saturday in the NFL. We got the Colts and Vikings at 1 o'clock in Minnesota, and then we got an AFC North battle between the Ravens and Browns. That's going to kick off at 4.30. And then we have an AFC East battle with major, major playoff implications between the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills. So we have Saturday football now in the NFL, so I'm definitely excited about that. NFL Week 15 is upon us. We are getting closer and closer to the playoffs. It's getting close. It's getting close to that time of the year. People are nervous, rooting on their teams. You you have a promising season all year long, only for it to come down crushing at the end of the season and your hopes just be over and done with, with the, in the blink of an eye. I mean, it happens fast in the NFL, but we're close to Christmas. My birthday is the day after Christmas, so I'm, y'all know I'm excited about that. And then we got the new year coming up as well. So we we heading into 2023. Definitely excited about the new year and the excitement about that and things that's going to happen next year. But we're going to begin tonight in the NFL, in the NFC West. It's a battle between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. It's 8-15 kickoff on Amazon Prime Video. The over-under for this game is 43-and-a-half points. We got Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith in this matchup. So when I look at this matchup, we got to start off with the 49ers. Brock Purdy, so far, has been playing very well for the San Francisco 49ers because when you look at his numbers so far in the two games that he's played, Brock Purdy has been impressive. He has four touchdowns, one interception, 
He's completed 71% of his passes. His passer rating is 105.2. He's done an outstanding job stepping up in the absence of Jimmy Garoppolo. Because remember, when Jimmy G got injured, everyone was talking about, oh, my God, are the 49ers Super Bowl hopes done? Because now they're going to be inserting their third quarterback of the season. Remember, during the season, at the beginning of the season, they start off with Trey Lance. Trey Lance shattered his ankle, and in came Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49ers fans were excited because Jimmy Garoppolo is an experienced quarterback. He's a veteran at the position, and he's played in a lot of big games in his career. So 49ers fans were happy about Jimmy G being their starting quarterback. And given the fact that they have the best defense in the NFL, Kyle Shanahan and his football team felt pretty good about their chances at being able to win the NFC and get back to the Super Bowl again. And then Jimmy G goes down with his injury, and here comes Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy last week against the Buccaneers was sensational. He went up against Tom Brady, who most people recognize as the GOAT. Tom Brady looked like he was the inexperienced quarterback, and Brock Purdy looked like he was the experienced quarterback who had been playing for a significant amount of time and played in big games. He played pretty well last week against the Buccaneers. And I thought that there were plays in that game that Kyle Shanahan drew up for Brock Purdy that he didn't have drawn up for Jimmy G. And I think that Purdy is more athletic than Jimmy G, and he can move around in the pocket better than Jimmy G could. So that also adds a different dynamic to this 49ers offense. And you look at Brock Purdy, on third down this season, his QBR is 97. That's ranked first in the NFL. His first down percentage is 55%. That's ranked first in the NFL. He completes 90% of his passes on third down. That's ranked first in the NFL. And this is out of 42 quarterbacks with at least 20 pass attempts. So Brock Purdy has done an outstanding job stepping up in the absence of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I told everyone on the show Tuesday night that I'm not a believer in Jimmy Garoppolo, so I don't believe that the 49ers are going to fall off when it comes to their Super Bowl hopes that much because I didn't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo in the postseason. This is in six career playoff starts for the 49ers. Jimmy G, his passer rating, it's 74. He averages 160 passing yards per game, four touchdowns, six interceptions. And in the fourth quarter of those playoff games, Jimmy Garoppolo, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, 28 passer rating. So Jimmy Garoppolo is not good in the postseason. The 49ers won the NFC championship game 
when Jimmy G only threw the ball eight times. So they don't win games because of their quarterback. The 49ers win football games because of their elite defense and their skill position players like Debo Samuel, like George Kittle, like Brandon Ayuk. That's why they win playoff games. It's not because their quarterback is an elite quarterback or making plays. So that's why I don't believe in the absence of Jimmy Garoppolo with Brock Purdy now as a starting quarterback. I don't believe that the 49ers Super Bowl hopes have taken a hit. I still think they're a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. Now, the only thing tonight that I'm worried about is Brock Purdy in that environment in Seattle for his first career role start. That's going to be interesting because we know that Lumen Field in Seattle, it's a tough place to play. Even for veterans, even for veteran quarterbacks, it's a tough place to play. And the communication between Purdy and his offensive line and the center and the running backs and receivers, it's going to be interesting tonight to see the communication between him and his teammates on that offensive side of the ball and then his communication with Kyle Shanahan as well. It's going to be loud. They don't call it the 12th man for a reason. They call it, they, they call it for a reason why it's the 12th man in Seattle at home field advantage. So I want to see how he responds in a tough environment in Seattle. And when you look at the statistics for most false start penalties versus visiting teams this season, the Seahawks at Lumen Field, it's been 15 penalties this season when teams have played against the Seahawks at Lumen Field. They've played in six games this season. Only the Cowboys have more false start penalties for teams that play against them in their home stadium. And they have eight games played this year compared to the Seahawks who have six games played at home. And honestly, the 49ers, even though they've been a Super Bowl contender over the last three years and have won big road games in the regular season and in the postseason, since 2002, the 49ers haven't been very good at Seattle. They are 5-15 and 15 in Seattle. They average 15 points per game. And the turnover differential is minus 9 in Seattle when the 49ers play against the Seahawks. So this is going to be an interesting matchup tonight between two teams in the NFC West who are fighting for playoff seeding and trying to increase their chances at being a playoff team in the NFC. It's going to be interesting. Kyle Shanahan versus Pete Carroll. I love that head coaching matchup. Two head coaches who have won big playoff games in their careers. Pete Carroll going up against a rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy. It's going to be interesting to see who can win that chess match. Now, when you flip sides and you go to the Seahawks offense, versus the 49ers defense, we all know that Geno Smith has been having a great season according to his standards. You look at Geno Smith so far this season, he has 25 touchdowns, 
eight interceptions, 3,443 passing yards. He's completed 72% of his passes this year. So Geno Smith has been playing some good football for this Seahawks offense. We all thought that the Seahawks offensively were going to fall off a cliff trading Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, but they've been playing at a high level so far this season. And in this matchup, they're going to get back rookie running back, Kenneth Walker, who I think is going to help Geno Smith when the Seahawks have the football because Kenneth Walker can run the football effectively and take some pressure off Geno so he doesn't have to drop back the pass 40 times in this game. But the problem is the 49ers defensively, they are one of the best teams in the NFL against the run. The 49ers defensively, they only give up 75 rushing yards per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. They are led by defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. We all know defensively they got Fred Warner. They got Arik Armstead up front. They got Nick Bosa up front as well. This 49ers defense is elite. They are big time. They have the right personnel, and they have the right coach in place to be an elite defense. Seriously. Dre Greenlaw got an interception last week off of Tom Brady in their secondary. They got Jimmy Ward. They got Tatarius Ward as well. This is an elite 49ers defense. And they're going to make life tough against this Seahawks offense. And I'm interested to see how much zone coverage D'Amico Ryans plays against Geno Smith tonight. This is Geno Smith this year against zone coverage. He's been pretty good. His QBR is 71. That's ranked second in the NFL. He completes 77% of his passes. That's ranked first in the NFL. He has 10 touchdowns, which is ranked first in the NFL. That's against zone coverage. The 49ers defense uses zone coverage 68% of the time on their plays defensively. So 68% of the time they're in zone coverage. So that's going to be a key matchup. D'Amico Ryans versus Geno Smith. I can't wait to see who wins that matchup as well. I also want to see if Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf can make some plays in the passing game for this Seahawks offense. They're going to be relied on tonight because I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against that 49ers defense. I, bringing Kenneth Walker back is going to help them. It's going to help them. But I don't think Walker is going to have any success against that 49ers front seven. I just can't see it happening. But I do love DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. For the season, Tyler Lockett got 71 receptions, eight touchdowns. So he's been pretty good this season. DK Metcalf, 72 receptions, six touchdowns. They're going to be key for the Seahawks tonight and their chances at being able to pull off an upset against their NFC West rivals and the San Francisco 49ers. But as a Packers fan, I'm rooting for the 49ers tonight because if the Seahawks lose and they fall to 7-7 seven and seven on the season and the Packers beat the Rams Monday night in Green Bay, the Packers will be 6-8, and eight, one game behind the Seattle Seahawks 
who are currently the seventh seed in the NFC as we speak. Going to be a great matchup tonight in Seattle at Lumen Field. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to preview the Bengals versus Buccaneers matchup Sunday afternoon in Tampa. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show tonight, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any specific NFL topic that you want to discuss, call to the show tonight. Let's talk about it on the Wise Guys Sports Show. But let's transition to a big-time matchup that we have this Sunday in Tampa Bay. We have the 9-4 and four Cincinnati Bengals taking on the 6-7 and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bengals are favored by three and a half points in this game. The kickoff for this game is set for 425 on CBS. The over-under for this game is 44 points. We got Joe Burrow versus Tom Brady. Very excited for this matchup. So when I look at this matchup, honestly, every single matchup in this game favors the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe that the Bengals have the better quarterback. I believe that the Bengals have the better offense. I believe that the Bengals have better skill position players than the Buccaneers have. I also believe that the Bengals defense is better right now than the Buccaneers defense is overall. So honestly, on paper, this matchup is a mismatch. But when I look at what the Bengals have been able to do during this five-game winning streak, the Bengals have been sensational as an offense in the, during these five games that they've won. This is the Bengals' 
points per game during this five-game winning streak. They're averaging 30 points per game. Their opponents are averaging 20 points per game. The Bengals are averaging 408 yards per game. Their opponents are averaging 323 yards per game during this five-game winning streak. Joe Burrow, touchdown-to-interception ratio is 10 touchdowns to three interceptions. Their opponent's touchdown-to-interception ratio is 5-3. to three. So the Bengals, offensively, have been sensational during this five-game winning streak. And Joe Burrow has emerged as an MVP candidate. Right now, we got 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 3,685 passing yards. He's completing 68% of his passes. Joe Burrow has been great in the middle towards the end of the season. You remember at the beginning of the season, it was a rough start for Joe Burrow because the Bengals started off 0-2. They lost to the Steelers week one. And then week two, they lost to Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. But Joe Burrow has played some great football lately. And he entered the MVP conversation once Jamar Chase left the lineup because during Jamar Chase's absence, that's when Joe Burrow started to elevate his game. And honestly, I thought that the Bengals did great in the absence of their star receiver. Without Jamar Chase, the Bengals in five games, they won against the Panthers. They won against the Steelers, won against the Titans, and they got Jamar Chase back against the Chiefs. But in those five games to go, well, four games. It was four games. I'm sorry. I was wrong. It was four games. They went three and one in those four games without Jamar Chase. And I thought that was impressive. And that's when Joe Burrow entered the MVP conversation. And he's been playing well ever since. This is Joe Burrow this year. In the fourth quarter of one-score games, his QBR is 85. That's ranked first in the NFL. He has seven passing touchdowns. That's ranked first in the NFL. His yards per dropback is 7.8. That's ranked second in the NFL. This is all in the fourth quarter of one-score games. So, Joe Burrow is a clutch quarterback. And that's why, when I look at young quarterbacks, and I compare them to old quarterbacks, I compare Joe Burrow to Tom Brady. When I look at the way Justin Herbert plays for the Chargers, I compare him to Aaron Rodgers. When I look at Patrick Mahomes, I think Patrick Mahomes has a little bit of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in him. When I look at Joe Burrow, I see Tom Brady because Joe Burrow isn't the most athletic quarterback. He's not the most gifted quarterback, but what he is, is he's a leader and he has a will to win football games. And that's why you see in the fourth quarter, Joe Burrow makes plays for the Cincinnati Bengals to be able to win football games. And honestly, I like the comparison with Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. But even when you look at their careers, in the early part of Tom Brady's career, 
they were winning Super Bowls in spite of Tom Brady, not because of Tom Brady. I remember back when the Patriots, in the early part of Brady's career, I remember their defense being the strength of their football team led by the great Bill Belichick. Defensively, they had Willie McGinnis. They had Richard Seymour. They had Teddy Bruschi. So that was the strength of their football team in the early stages of Tom Brady's career. Joe Burrow, on the other hand, got to the Super Bowl last year, but this Bengals football team is centered around Joe Burrow's ability to win games. This ain't about the Bengals defense, and I'm not taking nothing away from Lou Adamaral and his defense for the Cincinnati Bengals, but this Bengals football team, their strength is Joe Burrow and that offense. That's the difference in Tom Brady and Joe Burrow when it comes to their careers and the strength of their football teams in the early stages of their careers. Tom Brady had an elite defense that carried him in the early stages of his career. Joe Burrow doesn't have that. That's not to take anything away from that defense, but this Bengals team, their strength is their offense with Joey B. Now, offensively, we know the Bengals, they have Jamar Chase, they got T. Higgins, they got Tyler Boyd in the backfield, they got Joe Mixon, they got P. Ryan, so they got a one-two punch at the running back position. So the only questions that we have about the Bengals' offense is whether or not they're going to be able to protect Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has been sacked 35 times this season. That's tied for the fourth most in the NFL. That's the only questions that we have about this Bengals offense. So their offensive line, center Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins, Jonah Williams, Cordell Volson, if they can step up and elevate their games as the season goes along and as we get closer to the playoffs, the Bengals could definitely go on another deep playoff run. That Bengals offensive line is going to be the key in the Bengals' hopes to return back to a second consecutive Super Bowl. Because we know Joe Burrow, he is it, and we know their weapons offensively are elite. Now, when you look at the Buccaneers, that Buccaneers offense has been pathetic this year. They've been terrible. And last week against the 49ers, Tom Brady had to drop back to pass 55 times. 55 times Tom Brady had to throw the ball, which means the Buccaneers are a one-dimensional football team. Now, I still believe that Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks that we have in the NFL. Even at 45, Tom Brady is still an elite quarterback. He got 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, 3,585 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes this year. We know that Tom Brady can still fling that football, and he is still 
very, very clutch as a quarterback. One of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL, even at age 45. We saw what he did a few weeks ago against the New Orleans Saints, overcoming a 13-point deficit in the fourth quarter of that game. And the Buccaneers were able to win that football game with Tom Brady heroics. So we know Tom Brady can get it done when the game is close. But that's the thing. Going up against this elite Bengals football team, can the Buccaneers keep this game close so Tom Brady can bring it home for them late in the fourth quarter? We saw the gap in the 49ers and the Buccaneers last week and the 49ers 35-7 to win over the Bucs. The game was so bad, Fox turned the game off and turned on the Panthers-Seahawks game. That's how bad of a beatdown the 49ers put on that Buccaneers football team last week. I think the Bengals are just as good as the 49ers are. So I don't know if the Buccaneers are going to be able to hang around in this game to keep it close for Tom Brady to bring it home in the fourth quarter. I, I just don't know. And honestly, the Buccaneers... I like their skill position players in Mike Evans, in Chris Godwin, and in Julio Jones. But they're one-dimensional, and they don't do a great job at protecting Tom Brady, and they can't run the football. So the Bengals' defense, who don't have Trey Henderson right now, Trey Henderson is out with a broken wrist. They still got Sam Hubbard. They still got DJ Reader. They still got B.J. Hill. At linebacker, you got Logan Wilson, who I believe is one of the more underrated linebackers in the NFL. You got Eli Apple at corner, even though I don't believe in Eli Apple. He's done a pretty good job over the last few weeks. They got Von Bell and Jesse Bates. They can pin their ears back in this game and go after Tom Brady because the Buccaneers have no running game to speak of whatsoever. Their running game is non-existent. So, I believe that the Bengals are a better football team than the Buccaneers are. I believe right now Joe Burrow is slightly better than Tom Brady is. So I'm going to roll with the Bengals to beat the Buccaneers in Tampa Sunday afternoon. I'm going Bengals 27, Buccaneers 17. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to do my Wise or Lies segment of the day. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports on this beautiful Thursday, December the 15th. In the house with your boy Trey Larkins. Man, I love that dropping like this hot instrumental. I remember on that video, man, you, you, you had Pharrell in the video. You had my man Snoop, rap legend. Love that 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 hit right there, man. Can't go wrong with that drop it like it's hot. Everybody, call them to the show. 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any specific NFL topic you want to discuss, want to talk about some NBA. I'm going to talk about Steph Curry and his shoulder injury later on in the show. Are the Warriors done in the Western Conference? They said that Steph Curry is going to be out for a few weeks with a shoulder injury. So the Warriors could be in some trouble. I'm going to discuss that later on in the show. I'm also going to preview the Dolphins and Bills matchup in Buffalo. It's an AFC East battle. Tua versus Josh Allen. Can't wait for that. So I'm going to preview that game as well here in a bit. But let's transition to my wise or last segment of the day. Let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for that fastest segment on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Philadelphia 76ers head coach Doc Rivers says Tyrese Maxey will remain sidelined beyond the reported original timeline of three to four weeks. Maxey hasn't played since November 18th when he fractured a bone in his right foot against the Milwaukee Bucks. This is Doc Rivers' quote, whatever he has to do, he's nowhere near it. Rivers told reporters after Thursday's practice, according to Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So I would say he's out at least, I don't know, for at least a couple more weeks. So is it wise or last to say Maxi is a key contributor for the Sixers to be a playoff team in the East? That is wise, ladies and gentlemen. Tyrese Maxi is very important for the Philadelphia 76ers to be a playoff contender in the Eastern Conference. You look at Tyrese Maxey, before his injury in 15 games played, he was averaging 23 points per game, four rebounds, four assists per game. He is the third option on this Philadelphia 76ers basketball team. It starts with Jordan B. Then you got James Harden, who is not the same James Harden in Philly compared to what he was in Houston, but he's still a star player in the NBA. And after him, Maxi has a major role on this Sixers basketball team. When you look at other teams that the Sixers are going to have to face in the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference, you got the Bucks who got Chris Middleton and Giannis. You got the Celtics who have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. The Miami Heat, they got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. So the Sixers are going to need quality production from Maxi once they get into the postseason. So, yes, it is wise that he is a key contributor to their chances in the East at being a playoff team. Donovan Mitchell said he was thankful in a strange way for the playoff loss to the Dallas Mavericks last season because it helped send him to Cleveland. The smile said there might have been a little more adrenaline flowing for the first meeting since then. Mitchell scored 34 points facing Luka Doncic 
and the Mavericks for the first time since his final game with Utah last April. And the Cavaliers rolled to a 105-90 victory Wednesday night. So is it wise or last to say that the Cavaliers are championship contenders in the East with Donovan Mitchell? That is a lie. I love the Cleveland Cavaliers as a basketball team. I love their backcourt with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. But they are undersized in their backcourt. And I don't know if they have a reliable third option in the playoffs to rely on after Mitchell and after Garland. You look at the competition that they're going to face in the East. They're going to face Giannis and Middleton and possibly Drew Holiday because we know Drew Holiday at any given moment can go off for the Bucks. The Celtics, they got Tatum. They got Brown. Some nights, Horford or Smart, who are great role players, they can step up and get you 20. So I'm not sure that the Cavaliers are championship contenders in the Eastern Conference quite yet. I think they need one more piece to solidify themselves at being contenders in the Eastern Conference. Do I believe they are a playoff team? Absolutely. Are they a lock for the playoffs? Absolutely. Can they shock one of those top teams in the Eastern Conference like the Celtics or like the Bucks? Yes, but I just think they're one piece away from being a championship contender. De'Aaron Fox had 27 points and 10 assists. Sabonis added 21 points. And the Sacramento Kings held on to beat the Toronto Raptors 124 to 123 on Wednesday night. Malik Monk scored 24 points and Terrence Davis had 19 points against his former team as the Kings overcame a 16-point second quarter deficit to beat the struggling Raptors. So at 15 and 12 and currently seventh in the Western Conference, is it wise or last to say the Kings are contenders in the West? I believe that is a lie. They are not contenders in the Western Conference. But Mike Brown is doing a great job as the head coach of the Sacramento Kings with this young basketball team. I love what he's doing with these, this Kings team overall. I really, really do. The way De'Aaron Fox has played this year, averaging 23 points per game, six assists per game, five rebounds. He's done a great job at distributing the basketball to his teammates. Sabonis has stepped up, averaging 18 points per game. That was a great acquisition for the Kings, getting him from Indiana. I thought Sabonis was good in Indy. Now you're adding him to this Kings basketball team that has Monk, that has Fox, and Harrison Barnes as well. I like the Kings in the Western Conference. But they're not contenders because right now I would take the – Nuggets over the Kings. I'm taking the Grizzlies over the Kings. I'm taking the Clippers with a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George over the Kings. I'm taking the Pelicans over the Kings. Probably even the Phoenix Suns over the Kings. So I don't believe that they're contenders in the Western Conference quite yet, but they are trending in the right direction. And Mike Brown has them playing 
some great basketball. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore wait. Toss on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at these guys no sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to preview the AFC East matchup. We got the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. So we got Tua versus Josh Allen Saturday night in Buffalo. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snowing. I'm going to preview that matchup out of the break. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. Call to the show. 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial on the show tonight. Let's transition back to the NFL and let's talk about an AFC East battle between the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are favored by seven points. It's an 8-15 kickoff Saturday night in Buffalo. The over-under for this game is 43 and a half points. It is going to snow Saturday in Buffalo. So Bills head coach Sean McDermott and Tua Tagovailoa spoke about this earlier this week. Check it out. I mean, they're going to be in the same conditions we're in. Um, you know, it's not like every day we're out playing in six inches of snow around here. You know, so I think perceptually people get this perception of that we go out and practice in the snow every day. Um, but um, you know, we're just, like I said, working on being focused and, and uh, improving as a team. Have you seen so before? Yeah, it snowed uh, in Alabama my first year. Yeah. So it snows in Alabama, guys. <laughs> I know. And I mean, people don't know that, you know, there's some people that just think, oh, you know, it just gets cold in Alabama. It, it does snow. That was Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, and... Dolphins quarterback to attack by Lewis. So when I look at this matchup between the Dolphins and the Bills, these two teams already played against each other week three. The Dolphins beat the Bills in Miami 21 to 19. But in that game, if you look at the stat sheet, the Bills won every major statistical category in that game. The Bills had more first downs than the Dolphins. The Bills had more rushing yards 
than the Dolphins. The Bills had more passing yards than the Dolphins. Total yards, the Bills had more than the Dolphins did. So I was shocked at how the Dolphins were able to pull that game off in week three. But the Dolphins, they won that game, and they started off the season very impressive. They started off the season 3-0 and until that Thursday night matchup lost to the Bengals in Cincy. That was the game where Tua had the concussion, even though we all knew that Tua was concussed the week before that. But when I look at this matchup, I'm looking at Tua Tagovailoa for the Miami Dolphins because Tua started off the season very, very, very well. But in the last two games, he hasn't been very good. Let's look at Tua and what he's done in the first nine games of the season compared to the last two games. In the first nine games of the season, Tua completed 70% of his passes. In the last two games, he's completed 46% of his passes. His yards per pass attempt in the first nine games of the season were nine. In the last two games, they're 7.2. His touchdown to interception ratio in the first nine games were 19 to three. In the last two games, they are three to two. His passer rating in the first nine games were 115.7. And in the last two games, is 73.1. So Tua has not been impressive in his last two games against the 49ers and against the Chargers. And I think the Chargers, Renato Hill, the defensive coordinator for the Chargers, I think he put out the right blueprint on how you stop this Dolphins offense. We know offensively they have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. That's the best receiver tandem in the NFL. Both already have over a 1,000 yards receiving this year. Tyreek Hill is an MVP candidate, and he's had a major, major impact on the Miami Dolphins football team this year. But they weren't able to get into a great rhythm against that Chargers defense Sunday night in L.A. They really, really struggled. And Tua specifically struggled. And that's the biggest question about this Dolphins offense right now. Can Tua elevate his game for the Dolphins to be contenders in the AFC? Because when you get to the playoffs, everybody's good. And you're going to be going up against opposing quarterbacks, the likes of Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. So Tua is going to be expected to play at a high level for this Dolphins football team. He has to elevate his game and at least be able to improvise when things go wrong. That's what makes a quarterback great. When you can improvise and use your athleticism, use your intellect as a quarterback and make things happen. That's what makes you great as a quarterback. And that's something that Tua has not been able to do in these last two games. We know Mike McDaniel replacing Brian Flores has definitely helped Tua progression as a quarterback overall. Tua has 
progress this year significantly. And it surprised me. But in these last two games, Tua has struggled. He has struggled. At one point last week against the Chargers, Tua was 3 of 17 for 25 passing yards. 3 of 17 for 25 passing yards, ladies and gentlemen. He was pathetic at one point in that game. His completion percentage was terrible last week against the Chargers. The man completed 36% of his passes last week. 10 of 28. We got to find out what Tua is made of. But here's the thing. Tua in this matchup is going to be playing in inclement weather. So the Miami Dolphins are playing against the Buffalo Bills and the weather. This is Tua in his career. When the kickoff temperature is below 50 degrees, he's 0-3, and he has two touchdowns, four interceptions. Now, overall, for the Miami Dolphins, in their last seven games, when the temperature is below 40, they are 0-7. They average 17 points per game, only 86 rushing yards per game, and they give up opposing teams' rushing yards per game 141. Not only is it just Tua who struggles in the cold, it's the Miami Dolphins football team overall. Last week in LA, when the temperature was 55 degrees, the Dolphins had heaters near their bench inside SoFi Stadium. Ain't that crazy? It's 55 degrees and they got heaters on their bench. So what do you think is going to happen this weekend in Buffalo, they're going to struggle. It's going to be a struggle for the Miami Dolphins. And this is playing right into the hands of the Buffalo Bills. They love playing in this type of weather. They love it. Seriously. So Miami, even at 8-5 right now, I'm not sure the Miami Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. Their remaining schedule is they're in Buffalo Saturday night. And then they're home against the Packers in week seven, in week 16. That's a game that they could possibly lose, depending on which Packer team shows up. Week 17, they're in New England. And then week 18, they're home against the Jets. If you want to be a playoff contender, if you want to be a contender in the AFC East, if you're the Miami Dolphins, you've got to be able to beat the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo in December. You've got to be able to beat the New England Patriots in Foxborough in December. Otherwise, you're a front runner. So I want to know which Dolphins team is going to show up. Now, when I look at the Buffalo Bills, obviously, offensively, it starts and ends with Josh Allen. Josh Allen for the season, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 3,553 passing yards. He's completed 64% of his passes. We all know that Josh Allen is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. He's in the MVP conversation, but he's not a top three candidate for me because of all the interceptions that he threw in the middle part of the season. But it's still Josh Allen. It's still Josh Allen, and we know that he's an elite quarterback. But it's, it's interesting. When you look at his numbers, this is since beating the Chiefs in week six. His passer rating is. 81. That's ranked 28th in the NFL. He has nine turnovers. That's the second most 
in the NFL. His completion percentage is 61. That's ranked 30th in the NFL. Yards per pass attempt, 6.8. That's ranked 22nd in the NFL. 225 passing yards per game. That's ranked 16th in the NFL. Nine touchdowns, which is tied for 14th in the NFL. And his passer rating is only ahead of Matt Ryan, Kenny Pickett, David Mills, and Russell Wilson. So, yes, he's in the MVP conversation because he's Josh Allen, but he hasn't been very impressive since week six against the Chiefs. He hasn't been very impressive. Now, we know offensively the Buffalo Bills have one of the best offenses in the NFL. They got Stephon Diggs. They got Gabriel Davis. They got Dawson Knox at tight end. They got Isaiah McKenzie as well at receiver. At running back, you got Devin Singletary. You got James Cook, the brother of Dalvin Cook, the running back for the Minnesota Vikings. So we know that they're a high-powered offense. But I believe in this game, it's going to come down to that Bills defense who don't have Von Miller. Von Miller is out for the season with an ACL injury. It's going to come down to that Bills defense. And we saw what they were able to do last week against Mike White and the New York Jets. Mike White had to go to the hospital after that game. They sacked Mike White four times last week. They got the Mike White four times last week in that game. So that's what's going to be key. Defensively, the Bills, they give up 338 total yards per game. That's ranked ninth in the NFL. They only give up 100 yards rushing per game. That's ranked fourth in the NFL, and they only give up 17 points per game, which is ranked second in the NFL. They're led by defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. So you're going to have to throw the ball to beat the Buffalo Bills. Can Tua make the necessary plays for the Dolphins to snap a two-game losing streak? I say no. So I'm going to roll with the Buffalo Bills to beat the Miami Dolphins in Buffalo. I'm going Bills 27, Dolphins 13. I think Tua struggles, and I think Josh Allen puts on an MVP performance. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys. No sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss Micah Parsons' interesting comments on Jalen Hurts. He has some interesting comments on Jalen Hurts earlier this week. I'll discuss it out of the break. I'll be right back. It, 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 it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Love that hit by my man Lil Wayne. Fellow Packer fan. Love the fact that Lil Wayne is a Packer fan. My Packer brother, Lil Wayne, with the Fireman hit song. Love that song from back in the day. Every Lil Wayne album was, was nice. All of them was nice. I, I really like all the Lil Wayne albums. I, re I really, really do. Carter 3 was, it was, it, was, it might have been the worst of all three of the albums, but it was actually pretty good as well. Call into to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial on the show tonight. But let's transition to the NFC. Let's talk about Micah Parsons' comments on Jalen Hurts. So Micah Parsons this week was on the Voncast podcast, and he had some interesting things to say about Jalen Hurts. Take a listen. Is it Hurts or the team? I think it's a little bit of both, man. I think it's, <laughs> it, <laughs> I think it's, a little, it's, it's system and team. I think it's a little bit of both, man, because they got a great deep, they got a great offensive line, which helps Hurts. Hurts has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. They got a good running game. I um, mean, Miles Sanders. They scheme that they they scheme that they have. O line. Yeah. I mean, bro, bro like it. <sighs> Like, <laughs> and it's Eagles Cowboys. The Eagles Cowboys coming up, ain't it? Yeah, it's coming up. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to make no enemies. I, I just like. I just love the game so much, and I understand it so much that like, I can't. I, I like. I like when things are off. I, I just can't like hold it in. Like I almost gotta say something. Like you know, you're right. They got. They got a great team. Great defense. But everyone. Everyone has their own opinions. Like, but they got. So Jalen Hurts is. And he's good. Michael Parsons had some comments about your success and whether it was, you know, more attributed to yourself or or team and, and scheme. Here's to, to get your thoughts on that. We're worried about the Bears right now. That was Micah Parsons on the Voncast podcast earlier this week. And that was Jalen Hurts responding to Micah Parsons. So, first and foremost. Let me be very, very clear about how I feel about Michael Parsons and his comments on Jalen Hurts. I love his comments. I absolutely love Michael Parsons' comments on Jalen Hurts. And let me explain why. This is what competition is all about. And it's not like Michael Parsons is not going to get a chance to face Jalen Hurts. Because Christmas Eve night, the Philadelphia Eagles are in Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. And I can't wait for that matchup. If anything, Micah Parsons' comments, it builds up the hype for this matchup next weekend in Dallas. And 
They're going to get a chance to face one another because, you know, a lot of times in sports, we compare quarterbacks. We compare Tom Brady. We compare Aaron Rodgers when they face off against each other. We compare Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. But realistically and honestly, the quarterbacks don't get a chance to face off against each other. But Parsons and Hurts get the chance to face off against each other next weekend in Dallas and possibly again in the postseason because both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys are going to be in the playoffs. So I love it from a competition standpoint. And if anybody can have something to say about Jalen Hurts, it's Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons so far this year, he got 57 tackles, 12 sacks on the season. For his career, he got 141 total tackles, 25 sacks. He's the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. Michael Parsons is big time. I've watched games where he has literally dominated opposing teams' offensive lines. Seriously. So I love the fact that he made these comments. It just makes Eagles-Cowboys on Christmas Eve that much more of a must-watch because we know these two teams hate each other. They are NFC East rivals. Jalen Hurts versus Dak Prescott on Christmas Eve in Dallas. Howie Roseman, the general manager for the Eagles, is going to be there. Jerry Jones is going to be there. Doesn't get much better than that. Doesn't get much better than that. But with these comments, I actually understand where Michael Parsons is coming from because the Eagles and the Cowboys played against each other earlier this year in Philly. This was week six at Lincoln Financial Field. And in that game, the Cowboys' defense, they held Jalen Hurts to only 155 passing yards. He went 15 of 25, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. His passer rating was 104.6. So he didn't even have 200 passing yards in that game. So Michael Parsons believes that that Cowboys defense can contain Jalen Hurts. That's, that's how he feels. And I understand where he's coming from, given the fact that we've already seen that Eagles offense versus that Cowboys defense in week six. So I'm definitely excited for it. But when you look at the other side, you look at Jalen Hurts, who is leading the NFL MVP race, in my opinion, Jalen Hurts for the season, he has 22 touchdowns, three interceptions, 3,157 passing yards. He's completed. 68% of his passes, but that ain't where his strength is because we know Jalen Hurts is a playmaker, but he's also great at being able to run the football as the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. For the season, Jalen Hurts has 686 rushing yards on 139 rushing attempts, 10 touchdowns. 
So Jalen Hurts is leading the MVP race, and he's playing at a high level right now. He really, really is. And I think that he has elevated his game to being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Remember, coming into the season, we had questions about whether or not Jalen Hurts could be the franchise quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles for future seasons to come. Because you look at his numbers and his quarterback record in 2020 and 2021. In 2020, he only started in four games, six touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,061 passing yards, completed 52% of his passes. But last year, he led the Eagles to the playoffs with an 8-7 record. They were the seventh seed last year in the NFC playoffs. Last year, he had 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 3,144 passing yards, completing 61% of his passes. So we've seen during the three years where he's played quarterback, Jalen Hurts has ascended each year. And if you had questions about whether or not Jalen Hurts is the franchise quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward after this season. Jalen Hurts has answered those questions, and the Philadelphia Eagles now have them a do at the quarterback position. Seriously, I love what I've seen from Jalen Hurts this year. Now, we know that the Philadelphia Eagles as an offense, they got A.J. Brown at receiver. They got Devontae Smith. They got Miles Sanders in the backfield. So that's speaking to Michael Parsons' point about their team around him. But two things can be true. The Philadelphia Eagles can have the right pieces in place for Jalen Hurts to be successful as a quarterback, but also Jalen Hurts can be an elite quarterback that can take this Eagles team far in the playoffs and they can be true Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. Two things can be true now, Micah. So I want Micah to understand that. I understand where he's coming from 100%. But I think some of these questions about Jalen Hurts will be put to bed once we get to the playoffs. Because right now, when you look at the NFC, you, you got to say that the Philadelphia Eagles are the favorites in the NFC overall as a conference. I don't believe in the Cowboys even though I love Michael Parsons. And again, Michael Parsons is more than qualified to say what he said about Jalen Hurts. It ain't like Michael Parsons is the 53rd man on the roster or he, he, he's not the best player on their football team because Michael Parsons is big time. He is the best player on the Dallas Cowboys football team. It ain't Dak Prescott. It ain't CeeDee Lamb. It damn sure ain't Ezekiel Elliott. It's Micah Parsons. So he's more than qualified to say what he said about Jalen Hurts. But I don't believe in the Cowboys as a true contender in the NFC. The Cowboys always underachieve in the playoffs. The 49ers, I love their team from top to bottom. I think they have the best defense in the NFL. But Debo is out for a few weeks. We don't know if Brock Purdy is going to be able to keep his game up at a high level for the 49ers as they get closer to the playoffs. I don't believe in the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins always folds in big games, and defensively, 
that Vikings pass defense is one of the worst in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting in the NFC, but I think right now the Eagles have to be the favorites considering everything that has happened in the first 14 weeks. But I love Michael Parsons' comments because I love competition, and it only makes the Cowboys-Eagles matchup on Christmas Eve that more exciting to watch. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to give my NFL Week 15 Wise Picks. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. What do you think about Micah Parsons' comments on Jalen Hurts? Do you agree with Micah Parsons? Are you excited now that... He said what he said because we're going to get two teams who are playoff teams in the NFC to battle on Christmas Eve. What do you think about him? What do you think about Steph Curry's current injury that he's dealing with? He hurt his shoulder yesterday in the game against the Indiana Pacers. Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN insider, he reported that Steph is going to be out for a few weeks with a shoulder injury. I'm going to talk about that here in a bit on the show. But before I get to my NFL Week 15 Wise Picks, I want to play something that's going to get everybody ready for my Wise Picks this week. Take a listen. Yeah! We ready! Yeah! We ready for... My week 15 wise picks. Let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. It's that time of the week for my wise picks. If you're a betting man or woman, go out there and bet on these games. I'm about to predict tonight on the show. I guarantee you win you some money, and you're going to be thanking me for my week 15 wise picks. And by the way, real quick, my week 14 wise picks wasn't bad. I went eight and five. So I always have a winning record with my wise picks. If anyone's wondering 
Well, I wonder how good he does with his wise picks when he predicts these games weekly. Well, I've never had a losing record. Not one time this year. In 14 weeks have I had a losing record. Don't expect things to change in week 15. Let's transition to Saturday's games. We got the Colts in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. The Vikings are favored by four and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 48 points. I believe if the Vikings win this game, they will clinch the NFC North. I expect the Vikings to take care of business against the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going Vikings 27, Colts 17. It's the AFC North battle. The Ravens are in Cleveland. The Browns are favored by three points. It's a 4.30 kickoff in Cleveland. The over-under for this game is 37 points. The Ravens are fighting for their playoff lives. They are trying to stay atop the AFC North. They would probably fall to the wild-card spot in the AFC if they lose because if the Bengals beat the Buccaneers and the Ravens lose to the Browns, the Bengals would be in first place in the AFC North. So this is a game that the Ravens need. They desperately need this game to stay atop the standings in the AFC North. They won't have Lamar Jackson in this game. I believe that Deshaun Watson has improved each game that he's played in since he came back to the field a few weeks ago against the Texans. So I believe that the Browns are going to upset the Ravens in Cleveland, I'm going Browns 24, Ravens 21. Let's transition to Sunday's games. NFC South battle, Falcons at Saints. The Saints are favored by four points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in New Orleans. The over-under for this game is 43 points. Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for the Falcons, he's a rookie. He's going to get his first start. In this game. So guess what? I'm rolling with Desmond Ritter to pull off the upset against the Saints. I'm going Falcons 21, Saints 18. That is my upset pick for week 15. Mark it down. The Philadelphia Eagles are favored by nine points. They are in Chicago. In the Windy City, it's a 1 o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 48 and a half points. I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. The Eagles are the more superior football team. The Eagles have the better quarterback in Jalen Hurts over Justin Fields. I'm not even sure Justin Fields is going to play in this game. He's been dealing with some nagging injuries. Even if he does play, it won't matter. Eagles, 31 Bears, 14. Eagles cover the spread in Chicago. The Dallas Cowboys are favored by four and a half points. They are in Jacksonville to take on Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Jacksonville. The over-under for this game is 47 and a half points. I believe that the Cowboys take care of business in Jacksonville. A lot of people think that this game is going to be close. I actually agree. 
I think Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars keep this game close. Don't forget the Cowboys barely, barely beat the Houston Texans last week. So I think the Jaguars are better than the Texans, but I think the Cowboys squeak by the Jags. I'm going Cowboys 23, Jaguars 20. I think it's going to be close in Jacksonville this weekend, but I'll take Prescott over Lawrence. Cowboys 23, Jags 20. Lions are in New York to take on the Jets. This game is a pick'em game. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff in New York. The Lions have surprised a lot of people in the NFL. I'm not one of them. I know how high-powered that Lions offense is with Jared Goff. I can't believe I'm saying it. A team led by Jared Goff is a high-powered offense in the NFL. But I think that Jets defense is going to be too much for the Lions. The Jets are fighting for their playoff lives in the AFC. I believe that the Jets take care of business. And they slow the pace down in this game. If it's a high-scoring affair, that's advantage Lions. If it's a low-scoring affair, that's advantage Jets. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair in New York. I'm rolling with the Jets to beat the Lions. I'll go Jets 20, Lions 17. So I think it's going to be close, but I think the Jets edge out the Lions. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in Carolina. The Panthers are favored by three points. It's a one o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 37 and a half points. This is one of the more irrelevant games this weekend. Neither one of these two teams are playoff teams. The Panthers did beat the Seahawks last week in Seattle. That was an impressive victory for the Panthers. The Steelers, they're not a playoff team. In the AFC, I love the two black head coaches in this game. We got Mike Tomlin and Steve Wilkes. I hope Steve Wilkes can get that job down there in Carolina. The players, they respect Wilkes. They respect his authority, and they respect him as a man. And I think that's something that goes a long way when you're trying to be a head coach in the NFL. So I'm going to roll with the Panthers to beat the Steelers in Carolina. I'll go Panthers. 26, Steelers, 25. A lot of close games in week 15. This game that I'm about to talk about next is not going to be one of them. We got the Chiefs, who are favored by 14 points in Houston to take on the Houston Texans. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 49.5 points. Unlike the Dallas Cowboys, the Chiefs, are going to take off on the Texans. They got too much firepower with Patrick Mahomes, with Travis Kelsey, with Andy Reid as their head coach. I don't think that the Texans have enough to keep pace in this game. I'll go Chiefs 31, Texans 10. Patriots favored by a half point in Las Vegas to take on Derek Carr and the Raiders. It's a 405 kickoff in Las Vegas. The over-under for this game is 44 and a half points. I'm going to roll with the Raiders. The Raiders to upset Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. I'm going Raiders 31, Patriots 20. 
I like the way the Raiders have been playing lately. I know they they collapsed last week against the Rams on Thursday night football, but I expect Derek Carr to have a big performance. I expect Devontae Adams to have a big performance in this game. I'm going Raiders 31, Patriots 20. And honestly, Vegas only has the Patriots favored by a half point. It tells you everything you need to know about the Patriots. Vegas doesn't believe in the Patriots. Raiders aren't even a playoff team in the AFC. I got Raiders in Las Vegas over the Patriots. The Arizona Cardinals, without Kyler Murray, are in Denver to take on Russell Wilson and the Broncos. The Broncos are favored by three points. It's a 4.05 kickoff in Denver. The over-under for this game is 36.5 points. This is another game that is irrelevant when it comes to the playoff picture. I'm going to roll with the Cardinals to beat the Broncos in Denver with Colt McCoy. I'm going Colt McCoy, 24, Russell Wilson, 20. This is one of the more underrated matchups in the NFL in Week 15. We got the Tennessee Titans in L.A. to take on the Chargers, who are favored by three points. It's a 425 kickoff at SoFi Stadium. The over-under for this game is 47.5 points. I believe that the Chargers are going to win this game. The Chargers are going to be so fly at SoFi this weekend in L.A. I'm going Chargers 28, Titans 24. I think it's going to be close, but I think Justin Herbert outlasts Ryan Tannehill, and I think the Chargers get a much-needed victory in L.A., and they improve their playoff chances with this win. NFC East battle on Sunday night football. Giants at the Commanders. The Commanders are favored by four and a half points. It's an 8-20 kickoff on NBC. The over-under for this game is 40.5. I don't believe in the Giants. I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I think the Giants are front runners. And I don't think the Giants are going to make the playoffs. I think the Commanders are a better football team than the Giants are. I think Heineke is better than Daniel Jones is. I like the job that Brian Dayball has done with this Giants football team this year. And I love Saquon Barkley. Saquon has been great this year for the Giants for the season. Barkley, he has 251 carries, 1,083 rushing yards, eight touchdowns. So he is my NFL comeback player of the year. But I don't think he's going to have enough in this game. I'm going to roll with the Commanders to beat the Giants in the nation's capital. I'm going Commanders 30, Giants. 20. It's a Monday night matchup at Lambeau Field. It's the Rams. It's the Packers. The Packers are favored by seven points. It's an 8-20 kickoff. The over-under for this game is 39 and a half points. The Rams are not a good football team this year, despite Baker Mayfield's comeback last week against the Raiders. Aaron Rodgers rarely loses at Lambeau. In December, I'm going to roll with the Packers to beat the Rams at Lambeau Field on Monday Night Football. I'll go Packers 31, Rams 17. 
the Packers are going to get back Romeo Dobbs in this game. So the Packers offensively over the last few weeks, they've played better. They really, really have. And I like the, the combo that you have at receiver with Christian Watson and with Romeo Dobbs. Remember, Romeo Dobbs, before his injury, he was playing well for the Packers, and he was their number one receiver. Over the last few weeks, the Packers have scored 28 points, 33 points, and they had 28 against the Cowboys in Week 10. So the, Cow the Packers, offensively, they're playing better in the later part of the season compared to what they did in the early part of the season. Packers 31, Rams 17 at Lambeau Field Monday night. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call into the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry's shoulder injury. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Last segment of the day. Let's transition to some NBA and let's talk about the Golden State Warriors as Steph Curry left. The game last night against the Indiana Pacers with a shoulder injury. And ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, he announced that Steph Curry is going to be out a few weeks with a shoulder injury. And so the Warriors are going to have to spend some significant time without Steph Curry. And everyone's been talking about today. Are the Warriors in trouble with Steph now being out for a significant amount of time? I believe that the Golden State Warriors are now in trouble with Steph Curry about to miss some significant time. Because you look at what the Warriors have been doing so far this season, even with Steph Curry, they struggle, especially on the road this year. They are 12-2 and at home. On the road, they're 2-13. and 13. At home, the Warriors average 120 points per game. On the road, they average 115 points per game. At home, they only give up 110 points per game. And on the road, they give up 123 points per game. And that Average from home to away and opponent's points per game 
would be the largest difference in NBA history. So they've struggled this year, even with Steph Curry on the road. For whatever reason, they can't get stops defensively. This is a team that has a player in Draymond Green who won an NBA Defensive Player of the Year award. You got Kaminga. You got Klay Thompson, who at one point in his career was one of the best defenders in the NBA. And they can't defend on the road. They're struggling. But also, in the last four years, without Steph Curry, the Warriors, they are 24 and 66. So they've only won 27% of their games in the last four years without Steph Curry. You compare that to what they are with Steph, they are 97 and 61. So they win 61% of their games with Steph in the lineup. So this Warriors basketball team, they in some trouble. They in trouble. And right now, they're going to need Jordan Poole to step up. They're they going to need him to step up because don't forget, in the offseason, Jordan Poole signed a four-year, $140 million new contract extension. So he's going to be expected to step up in a major, major way for this Warriors basketball team. For the season, Jordan Poole is averaging 18 points per game, five assists per game, so he's doing a great job at distributing the basketball. He's doing a good job scoring for the Warriors because a lot of times this year, Klay Thompson didn't suit up. Klay Thompson's been out of the lineup. He's only played in 23 games this year. So in those other games, Jordan Poole has stepped up as a reliable second option to Steph Curry and help this Warriors team win games and score the basketball. So, so Poole is going to be key. Also, Draymond Green, he's going to have to play better as well. He only is averaging eight points this year. Now, we know Draymond Green is not a scorer, but he's going to have to at least score maybe four or five more points per game so he can help the Warriors production offensively. And then Andrew Wiggins, he's only played in 22 games this year. And we saw last year in the NBA Finals, Andrew Wiggins was sensational. And he did a great job against Jason Tatum. He outplayed Jason Tatum last year in the NBA Finals. This year, he's averaging nine, 19 points per game, five rebounds per game. So once they get Wiggins back, Wiggins is going to have to step up as well and be more aggressive offensively for this Warriors basketball team. So I, I think that the Warriors, without Steph Curry, they're going to struggle. Steph Curry, this year, he's averaging 30 points per game. Seven rebounds per game, which is a career high. And last night, before he left the game, the man had 38 points on 11 of 19 shooting from the floor, seven assists before leaving that game last night against the Indiana Pacers. So Steph Curry is playing at a high level, and you can make the argument that this is the best season that Steph Curry has had so far in his career. I know it sounds crazy. But go look at the numbers. Steph this year is playing at an MVP level. And if the Warriors weren't 14 and 15, he would definitely be in the NBA MVP 
conversation. But this year they've been struggling. They sent Wiseman back to the G League. Draymond Green has been a little inconsistent. Wiggins has been dealing with a lot of nagging injuries. Clay Thompson is still trying to get back to being 100%. But I, I'm not sure that the, the, the Warriors can stay relevant in the absence of Steph Curry. I'm really not. Like, Clay Thompson is not the same player that he once was. If this was three, four years ago, I think the Warriors would be just fine without Steph. But with, with Clay Thompson now dealing with a lot of nagging injuries and Draymond Green being older, and now they have to rely on a lot of young role players, I'm not sure that this Warriors team is going to be able to overcome the absence of the great Steph Curry. I, I'm just not sure. And they, they're right now, they're on an East Coast road trip. They lost to the Pacers, 125-119. to 119, And then on Tuesday, they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, 128-111. to 111. They are in Philly tomorrow night. That's probably a loss. Then they are in Toronto Sunday. That's a loss. Tuesday, they're in New York at the Mecca. So on this road trip, they are already 0-2. If they go on this road trip 0-6, going back to Golden State, and they don't win a single game, that could be trouble for them. If they, if they are 14-19 and 19, when they get back home, when they play against the Grizzlies, on December the 25th, on Christmas, that's a Christmas Day game. If they are 14 and 19, they in trouble. They in trouble in the Western Conference. They really, really are. So, man, I, I just don't know if they can remain relevant without Steph. They, I just, I don't know. Like, I like their young core in Kaminga, in Poole, in Wiseman. But I don't know if they're ready to step up in the absence of their superstar. I'm not sure if they're ready to do it yet. So, Steve Kerr, he, he has his work cut out for him. He really, really do. because. If they want to stay in the playoff race, they got to they gotta try to keep the ship in, in the right direction in the absence of Steph Curry. They really, really do. This is why when you had Kevin Durant, they had so much depth with KD, with Clay, with Steph, with Draymond, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala was still contributing at a high level. They don't have that anymore. They got a lot of young role players who they're relying on to carry the torch in the absence of a Steph or a Clay or a Draymond, if they get hurt, I'm not sure they're going to be able to do it. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. It's NFL Week 15, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting closer to the NFL playoffs. Uh, I cannot wait for the playoffs in the AFC and in the NFC. So many good teams, especially in the AFC. I, I love the AFC because young elite quarterbacks in the AFC. In the AFC, we got Josh Allen for the Bills. We got Joe Burrow for the Bengals. We got Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs. We got Justin Herbert for the Chargers. We got Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. I, I really love the quarterbacks in the AFC. But in the NFC, you got teams like the 49ers you know, who can get and win games. You got the Eagles, who only lost one game this year, who could definitely win the Super Bowl this year. And 
and then you got also the high-powered Minnesota Vikings. So it's so many storylines in the NFL. But everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'm Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Signing off on the World Wise Sports Network. Enjoy your weekend, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.